hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. Okay, today's podcast, uh, I've got with us today, Justin Boyd. What's up, y'all? And our boy, Robbie Watson. They are both uh, Green Top employees. We're going to talk about a number of things today, things in their uh, expertise. Justin, you're probably newer than Robbie. Mm -hmm. You've been here, what, over a year now? A little over a year. A little over a year. about a month over a year. And Robbie, you've been here three years? Mm Mm-hmm. Right, three Next years month. Yeah. Okay. And you guys both have a lot of uh, experience, expertise in, in general firearms. It's fair to say. AR, AR-15 platforms, bolt actions, handguns, kind of across the board. Yep. To describe you guys, because we'll prob- we'll prob- we should probably do a picture after this so that people know, can put a name with a face. But it's like I'm sitting here talking to Jeb Stewart and Will Smith. <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll know us. That's, oh yeah. So that's uh, a good summation. Yeah, that's right. That's sure. that's good. I mean, it's a good description, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so I think we should start off with kind of updating our listeners on the NFA process because a lot's changed since January. Mm-hmm. Last time we talked about the NFA process, I think maybe it was, was January or just before that. So a lot has changed in that world, and you guys are a big part of that because you deal with, well, the good and the bad every day, right? Mainly good. Mainly good. Mostly good. Yeah, mostly yeah. good. Yeah, they've got most of the kinks ironed out, it seems. So. Yeah. it's um, And that took a couple iterations, but from day one, it's been easier than paper file ever was in terms of, you know, the – the effect on the uh, the time frame of the paperwork, if, if nothing else. Yeah. So. Because it, it, paper forms right now, well, what used to be, it was minimum probably 11, 12 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, you very rarely saw anything get approved sooner than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, there was a time there where it was better, but I just think that the more – the more people that were applying for these, the, the worse it got because they only have a certain number of examiners at the NFA branch that can handle this sort of workload. Um, right now, we're seeing stuff – well, we were told during the e-form system, e-file system, that it was about a 90-day turnaround, mm-hmm. which was the case in the first couple batches. In the first yeah, couple batches. Yeah. We, we saw plenty of people sub-90. I mean, there were some people getting 65, 75. Yeah. So I even was... saw one guy with in, in like eight days. Mm-hmm. I saw one, and he had expedited military orders. So sometimes I worry when they say these like, you know, oh, seven days, oh, you know, yeah. 13 days. It's like, uh, is there a variable there that, you know, not everybody has access to? Is it something yeah. like that? Is it, is it a, you know, particular situation? And it's hard to say if, uh, if they're talking about – you know, most of the, most of these we're talking about are Form Fours, and mm-hmm. I know they're still seeing a lot of Form Ones. Mm-hmm. But I heard the Form Ones were slowing up a little bit. They're about I, on par with Form Fours. They're based back on up now. What I've done on the internet as far as research was like, mine was two years ago. Mine was like twenty six days, twenty seven days, which is pretty slick. But mm. you know, that ain't happening nowadays. No, yeah, um, but you know, the process itself, I've seen that. You know, I, I could, I can deal with it. A lot of people I see get frustrated because you're now, um, if you're going to go through Silencer Shop, you now have to create an account with Silencer Shop, get fingerprinted through a Silencer Shop kiosk, get photoed through a Silencer Shop app, and mm-hmm. stop me if, if I'm if I'm 
saying something incorrect here. No, and then true. you have to um, create a an e-file or e-forms account mm-hmm. via ATF's website. Yeah. ATF's website, and then they, of course, assign you a login ID, and then you have to create a PIN number, which is what you will use to certify a form four when you when you certify the form four. And that's by yep. far the easier of the two accounts, the ATF account. You basically just create it, and as long as you have your username, pin, and password, you really won't go in there for much else unless you want to do a Form 1. So mm-hmm. right. generally, that's the uh, you know, that's the easier of the two. Um, there's other ways of doing it. I think dealers, like, we, we can always run it without going through Silencer Shop. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, I think... There's a cover. There's a cover letter yep. that is, is given to you, and you have to mail the fingerprint cards in, mm-hmm. and you Which have we, to upload the passport photo. And we can a, still a, do the a, physical prints, can't we? Yeah, we can still do physical prints here. Yeah, so we can do it either way here. Um, it just kiosk it, makes it convenient though, because like customers really coming on their own time, yeah. they don't have to ask for help from anybody. They unlock the kiosk, submit fingerprints, yeah. you know, take photos on their phone. Super you can quick, almost not even come here. I've actually had that happen with a customer. You can almost not even come here at all, mm-hmm. and not even be present at the store, and and do it all mm. through the through the through online or through the phone. I had a customer call in with a suppressor he wanted, pay for it over the phone. I signed it to his account. He certified it over the phone. The only time he has to step in the shops to pick it up. This is when he's going to pick yep. it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which that that was pretty slick. nice. And that was his second suppressor, so it kind of clicked with both of us. Like, oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. you know, the system might be tough setting up the account for the first you know suppressor. That's most of the fight. But yeah, you know, suppressor two and three, it's as easy as buying a tax stamp and then dealer assigning it to your account. So silencer yeah. silencer shop housing all your personal information is you know seems to be fantastic from the start. You know, no, yeah. No real issues with people's information mixed up except for that one batch where they switch country of citizenship but that yeah, was a fluke that was, they uh, fixed that it. was kind of a fluke yeah well, they fixed oh, it yeah. super and they quick. fixed it quick yeah they were good about that they were i, I can't imagine the oh shit moment there when uh <laughs> when they saw that because that was there was a lot of it wasn't just uh our customers it was a lot of customers yeah, it was a lot of different dealers yeah, yep. nationwide. We, i think we had like 19 people total something yeah. like that so. but every time i've called silencer shop with an issue they've been great and they fix it and they like they give you a time frame and be like oh wrong serial number sign yeah you know 36 hours we got it mm, yeah like, cool yeah i will say you know it, it's it's easy to get impatient with a company because it's everything nowadays you get it so fast everything mm-hmm. is so instant but with them with the amount that they're dealing with and the amount of form submissions, you, you kind of got to be a little patient because they're going to get to it, but it may take 24 or 48 hours to do it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it just depends. I mean, and if, if, the e-file, if the e-file website goes down, then it's not just backing up us. It's backing up Silencer Shop, too. It's backing up a lot of, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and to be fair, there is an outage in one of the two per week and it's you know out of our control but at the same time you know most of our customers seem to be understanding they go yep you know this is right it's it's right on the edge of i guess what they can handle in volume so and it's better than waiting a year to get a paper form back or having to get somebody mail your paper form back to you which takes like a week you know snail mail and then you look at you have to correct something and then it mails Mm -hmm. it has to go all the way back um, that's 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 got to be frustrating too. When I had a customer, it was like 430 days. Yeah, 
okay, no, 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 I'm not doing that one. So, yeah, yeah, I'll take I'll take six months. Even if e file takes six months, I'll take six months over twelve months. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, it's that hundred and twenty day turnaround really makes all the difference. It's Absolutely. worth it's worth a slice of frustration. You know, if you're going to get the can back in hundred and twenty days, yes. especially from like a, you know popularization of suppressors perspective it's mm-hmm. it's a good thing yeah for sure, so. which i would be curious to see a, a hard number on the amount of people on the amount of suppressor sales that have increased and i guess that's I, something i would say 50 percent of the people i've sold to are first time can and that's that seems to be a consistent number with yep. what i've with yeah i'm gonna well. uh while we're talking i'm gonna pull up some data that i got sent to i think i think the nssf might have sent it to me but i'm gonna start pulling this up um and I think it's really interesting how much they've increased for hunting, too. Just a side note. A lot of people are like, oh, I'd never hunt with them. It's like, that's easily, like, top three uses now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't As they should it, be, you know. I've gone in the woods plenty with no can on the gun, no ear protection, not <laughs> not thought about it. So. I'd have been using suppressor for a lot of years before now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll find this thing shortly, but as we're doing this, um, what else stands out to you guys as through this process now? I mean, not just in the the NFA buying process. Um, you know, it, it has its quirks right now that they're working through, and I think it's improving every day. Um, but what about what's what's hot out there right now? What's everybody buying? The thirty six M from Silencer Co. Yeah, Omega thirty six M. That's definitely what we've sold most of since yeah. this past Christmas time, for yeah. sure. I guess you're right. Everybody's been after that one. Um, yep. I saw one of the new Evos ended up in the cabinet. I didn't even see it come in. But no, I looked, they're going to be hot. Yeah, I looked nice. in there. Earlier. I've been waiting on an Evo. Oh, nice. That's the Harvester Evo, the new mm-hmm. lightweight hunting can, right? Yep, mm-hmm. sitting right in there. We got them now? Uh-huh. Hmm. Five or six of them. Man, right on. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, so what else is new? I mean, Griffin's got their, what, their Bushwhacker, mm-hmm. which is 46 cal bushwhacker but it's not but of course silencer code did the 46m and then you know the, the hybrid 46m mm-hmm. primal from dead air if you're talking big bore stuff yeah, yeah. the new primal um we uh the Th- thunder beast stuff has been doing oh, well yeah. that's doing we got, well. that's cool any precision guys that's what you want yeah so we do have a f- decent selection of thunder beast right now you know that can disappear really quick and then you don't see them for like another six to eight months. <laughs> Typically, you, no, you yeah, got to get on the get on the list for those. Absolutely, that's a problem. They're worth waiting for. Yeah, they're all, but they're always selling. They're uh, Thunder Beast is always good. But um, what else? I mean, is there anything else? Well, especially with the uh, buy one get one from Silencer Co. I mean, it seemed like everybody was picking up pistol cans, and that was one of the things you chose from there. But even the guys that missed out on that promo, it seems like a, you know we've sold a decent amount of mm-hmm. you know centerfire pistol suppressors, mm-hmm. which. It's good. Nine Ks have been selling hot per usual, but I mean that's such a cool can. Yeah, they're the best, man. They're the yeah, best. Gotta put one of those on my PDW. Favorite nine mil can on the market. Well, and the fact that you can throw it on a three hundred blackout and shoot supers through it. I know there's other ones that are rated, but I mean that's a four point seven inch can shooting mm-hmm. three hundred supers and subs. I Can't mean, beat it. Oh, and that PDW is gonna be cool. Which one? The nine K. Oh, the nine K. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, so. You know, you guys switching gears from NFA, you guys handle a lot of optics mm-hmm. and, of course, a lot of, um, 
I'm going to use that word, tactical weapons. <laughs> Oof, buzzword. Yeah. They're, they're forbidden Red word. dots. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of technical technical uh, products, I guess, mm-hmm. other than other than firearms. There's a lot of um, uh, night vision and um, Thermal. thermals, like things mm-hmm. like that. So if it changes daily. Yeah, and then the, Honestly, just just yeah. the red dot world alone right now. Let's just uh, let's just talk about that because there are so many red dots out there right now. Because not only you know is it cool to put them on a carbine or a rifle, but everybody wants to put one on a handgun now. And not just a full-size handgun. I'm talking subcompact pocket guns. I mean, got yeah. people pulling guns out of their pockets with a red dot on it now. I'm like, what is going on? It's a common occurrence. It is. You see it a lot. Yeah. So what's 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 hot? What's hot in that world? I mean, I can't say anything on the micro carry gun because I put a Hollis on 507K on my G48, and I love it. I mean, it really brought out the and that gun isn't. It's just slimmer than a G19, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really brought out the accuracy of something that may have been hard to achieve with just iron sights. So, number one is most of these guns are going to pick up some accuracy once you learn how to use a hard target focus. But as soon as you figure out that out, I mean, the accuracy can increase significantly. So, on, I mean, and, and on almost, any platform, is it almost like not fair? I mean, I put I put a five hundred seven on my CZ P ten. You figure out how to shred with it. They'll, they'll go. Having having that fine point aim at distance too, it brings out you know. The capability of what that pistol can do from a mechanical perspective you right. know iron sights it's a big front sight supposed to be putting on top of a relatively small target at distance but oh. having a two and a half moa dot all of a sudden you can shoot small targets at distance which now tell tell our listeners what you mean by two and a half moa dot like size. so a two and a half moa dot will cover up two and a half inch a two and a half inch circle on a target at 100 yards right so at that proper brightness setting a lot of people run their dots yeah. higher and that's Tip- going to typically that's going to be like setting six or seven on most of your you know led red dots so. so do most guys that compete are they tending to go with a smaller dot or a larger dot so on my gun right now i have an sro with a five moa i've run everything from one then they have the two and a half and the five the one super super accurate i mean seeing the groups that people talk about in magazines like oh yeah i shot a two inch group at 25 yards with 10 rounds it's like, well, yeah, that did happen out of a 34 because I could see to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second those you start driving that gun faster, you lose it. And, and that's just the nature of one of them. It's nothing about an SRO, but going with something like a five, I mean, it's the difference between bouncing a ping pong ball on the table and bouncing a beach ball. Your eyes are going to track the center of that beach ball better. Right. So for competition, I like a five MOA because there's really not a lot of situations, especially in my game, USPSA, where it's going to cover too much of the target. I mean, so, you know, what he's talking about where iron sights are covering a lot of the target, the dot could if it's too large, but that's generally not a mm. situation I see even with a 5 MOA. I mean, for a while there, I think Seymour was making like 10 and 12 and 4 MOA dots, and that that was big. Yeah. But, you know, for the most part, yeah, 5, 6, I really haven't had a situation where it's too large. Now, there's two ways to skin that cat. You can get a larger dot, or you can get like a 2.5 and, and then bloom it, you know, up a brightness setting to get it to – you know, maybe four or five, and it's going to lose a little bit of the definition, but you're in a bigger dot. So, right. a couple ways to do that. So, is it it's a dot acquisition? Is that more important or, or target coverage? Um, well, dot acquisition is going to be based on sizes mainly. Target right. covering, you know, it'd really be like uh, steel plate. You know, if I throw a ten inch steel plate fifteen yards away, that's that's the balance you got to strike, and that that's that's a visual one. Um, okay. 
that can be very subjective to the shooter. Because um, I've seen people pick up a, a, a handgun, for instance, and they're trying to look through it, and they're like, I don't see it. And then you can automatically tell why they can't see it because they don't know how to hold a hold a handgun. Yeah, oh, yeah, they I was do. Just that. about to mention you fundamentals know. play more into it than anything else. Right, really. Like if your grip's not correct, you you're essentially operating without a stable shooting platform. Right, so. right. So well, grip's got to be good. Yep. Huge on the grip because it'll help you. And and a, a little technique I found with me, if I just kind of plane my thumbs together, it'll level the gun, and that's what I. And you could tell somebody who's having trouble with a dot because they you know they take the muzzle, muzzle goes up, then down, the yeah, left and right, and all moving of a sudden. It around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a. Uh, we've got a, like a, a fake gun out there with a Delta Point Pro on it, and we mm-hmm. see it a lot. And you know, it's easy to walk guys through it. Right, having that thing though, it's an excellent tool for kind of letting them know exactly how. Well, you and know, that's a and that, red dot too. but part mm-hmm. of you know part of education is is taking a course. You know, like a 100%, pistol course. Hundred percent. I don't care if you've been shooting for thirty years. You, you could probably figure out why you can't hit the broad side of the barn <laughs> because well, well crap you know my my damn grip's been wrong this entire time you know it's just like a golf swing the mm-hmm. same thing right yeah. i mean or archery you, or really archery else, every yeah. you just make these you tweak these little things fine-tune these little things the next thing you know you're a better shooter or you're a better golfer or whatever i mean the golf the golf game my golf game sucks I'm, i've given up on that I'd, I'd rather stick to just shooting guns <laughs> and mm-hmm. shooting the bow but um but you know what I mean. It's just uh, it's like you said. Whole, it's, yeah. it's all it all boils down to fundamentals. Fundamentals you know? are huge. Yeah. For for anybody that's listening, if you have any reservations about taking a class, let them go because the education part of shooting is the part that matters the most. That's for right. Sure. So yeah, and it's go and take it's, a class. And it's worth it. It's not a lot of rounds to go shoot. 500 750 a thousand rounds at a course where you're going to get such a you know dense amount of information in a day, mm-hmm. maybe two, to the point where, I mean. It's. I've never been to a class of what, Martha? Right. Yeah. yeah. Not even once. I mean, I've been to classes where I've learned more than others, but um, you learn something every time. Yeah. Though. There's always going to be a takeaway, no yeah. matter what. And you know, especially if you're carrying a gun for self defense, that's invaluable. Oh you yeah. You know, having that little tidbit of information could be the difference. Yeah. So. And, and for me, on the competition side, I might pick up, you know, three percent here, five percent there, but that's parts of a whole when you're chasing. You know, tenths of a second, thousands, you know, hundreds mm-hmm. of a second. So, yeah. um, um, so you guys, uh, Robbie, I know you compete right much. Justin, what about you? Are you doing much competition or are you just so, more um, recreational shooting? Um, I have shot some competition. Uh, a lot of my approach to guns is definitely self defense based. Okay. Um, it's just kind of like how I got into guns right. for the value of them as self defense tools. So. I got you. But, uh, yeah, I like to, you know, formal training. I try to take four or five classes a year if I'm able to. If uh, the ammo prices and the gas prices yeah. stay where they need to. Yeah, so. I hear you on that, man. <laughs> about dr- uh, dry firing? Um, oh, boy. One of those myths of <laughs> uh, Robbie's favorite topic. <laughs> of shooting. Oh, I'm glad I brought this up then. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, I'm, it's like I'm starting. I'm, I'm I'm starting to see that oh. one of one of you mm. likes it, one of you doesn't like a, it. A lot of our approach is probably pretty similar. It is probably God. pretty similar. Dry there, fire are, is, there is some nuance, like to the way I go about it versus the way Robbie goes about it. So I'll let him go first. Ah, uh, dry fire is unquestionably the most important thing you can do. Champions are made in the basement. <laughs> God, it's like watching paint dry. Um, I, it's it's so important, and especially. Work with it extremely slow. I may be only going 75%, but I'm focused on doing everything perfectly. Not like, oh, that was pretty good. No, no, no. Well, it's got to be consistency, right? Mm-hmm. Consistency and, you know, so, perfect so practice. So walk me and anybody listening through what 
you're doing when you're dry firing. You're, I mean, you're you're drawing from your holster mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. picking a point on the wall and you're going for that or so, you, it's it's yeah. all it's all repetition, same thing every time, right? And you're going for speed and you're going for for it, what? It could be entirely based on what my I saw in my last match, but in my basement. I've got some like third scale USPSA targets, some cutouts of some pepper poppers. If anybody's ever seen those, it's just a mm-hmm. you know tall piece of steel with a ten inch circle, twelve inch circle in the middle. So I've got some reduced scale targets. So it's not like you're drawing to a huge target close. It's gonna it's gonna make you isolate your aim a little bit more. In terms of draw, I really break it down into the different steps. You know, establishing your grip, re- separating the gun from the holster. So and if, if I'm having a problem, like recently I've been rebuilding my draw because. I haven't liked my primary contact with the gun. So that's been the biggest thing I've been working on recently. And the gun may never actually be presented to the target, but I'm, it's how my hands grip the gun first. It's how my uh, support hand meets my grip. And it's, again, you may only gain 2%, 3%, but you're going to gain that consistency of that percent increase. So the way I dry fire, again, is mainly based on what I've seen in my last match. If it was transitions, I'm almost... I'm going to sticky stuff all over the walls and just drive that gun all night. And I generally find more than about 30 minutes. I start fatiguing and I need to reset to something else. So um, most of mine is based around, you know, transitions and manipulations. And I imagine he probably does a little more uh, light activation, Mm -hmm. things like that. Now, do you, uh, before we get to what Justin has to say, do you use snap caps, anything like that, or do you just dry fire the weapon? Oh, I will, yeah. Um, snap caps, especially if you're doing for like competition, like an empty start, if your gun's on the table and loaded and you're either doing a mag from the belt or mag from the table, that really helps. Yeah, because um, it reduce- it's, it's actually simulating the loading in, uh, mm-hmm. of, of the weapon. Okay. Yeah, because you know, generally you're going to start slide forward, hammer down, mm-hmm. so it's not you can just grab and drop the slide release. You've actually got a slingshot in one way or another. Right. You know, mm-hmm. whether, you, whether you grab behind the ejection port or you know, uh, in front of it on front serrations, most guys are going to grab in front of the ejection port, but you right. know, getting subjective. Right. So, but snap caps definitely help. The most the most useful tools I have are targets, though. Yeah. Targets. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm pretty sure we use the same like cardboard mini silhouettes from yep. that one particular company. I don't I don't know I can't remember if uh. Well, Ben Stoger's Pro Shop ha- Ben Stoger's Pro Shop has a bunch of stuff that he, he really specializes in the dry fire. So there's really good stuff. But I've also printed stuff online and cut it out with a stencil yeah, and it worked just fine. Right. So yeah, you know. You ain't got to order thirty dollars worth of dry fire targets, mm-hmm. right? So, you, I mean, how much time do you spend in dry fire? And you dry fire every night? Every night, at every least night. a couple hours a night. Yeah, oh, okay. he's more consistent than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of my stuff is you know going to be focused on like clearing a garment with one hand while I've got a handheld activated. Um, I do a lot of malfunction clearance stuff like that. Okay, pretty much anything that could go bad if I yeah. were to need to like so act- you know, the old self defense stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's typically typically what I do. But um, a lot of my stuff is, you know, target focus accuracy, that sort of thing. You know, confirming the dot before and, like, ensuring that it's going to be an A-zone hit before I'm breaking the trigger, recognizing what that looks and feels like, consistency of my draw, stuff like that. Same thing okay. that, like, a competition guy would focus on. So Yeah, and that's okay. fundamentals of, you know, trigger sights, grip, you know, stance. 
I work on stance some, but you can fudge that. You'll always get caught in an awkward position where stance was not convenient. Well, like the one that you resort to may not work for every situation you're going to find yourself exactly. in. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've been in situations where you need to like lean out of the box to get to a popper, stuff like that. So. Yep, happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Especially as a lefty. Some shots are not yeah, friendly. Tough. You're a lefty? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Um, so, as for, we were talking about red dots and on the handguns. What what stuff? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of brands out there right now. Let's go back to that for a second. Um, you mentioned Holosun. Mm-hmm. They're by far, I think, they're got to be up there number one right now. Um, From a value for the money perspective, yes. Yeah, but absolutely. There, there are some other ones that I would definitely throw in the hat. Some other names I'd throw in the hat for I mean, sure. Vortex is up there. I mean, there's Vortex mm-hmm. Holosun. They probably have the best bang for buck. Um, yeah, optic for sure. Uh, that's out there. And then above them, you're talking Aimpoint, Trigicon, um, Trigicon and um, the Loophole Delta Point. The yeah. Delta Point, yeah. That's a great value optic. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, it's sub 500 bucks. Great yeah. battery life. Excellent field of view, you know. The field of view really matters for, well. Tracking t- track targets. Yeah. Transitioning, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, if you have a really small window and you start to shoot fast, it's very easy to lose the dot out of the window. And then you've lost most of the speed. But if you can use your grip to help keep. Uh, your sight's flatter, we'll call it, basically. Less dot in motion lifting off the target. Then those big windows, that's where they really help. I mean, they shine because you can shoot, I mean, as fast as you can see, and you don't lose the dot in the window. Yeah. That's how you rock and roll with them. Okay. So, and and again, it's kind of like he was talking about the driving target focus, making sure that you're verifying the dot is where you want it. Um, and that's probably the biggest user tip that I can give is a driving target focus. Don't look at a shirt, look at a shirt button. And then when you transition to another target, look that intense as it. And, you know, I've seen guys that'll, the visually they'll drift from the dot to the target as they're shooting a multi-round string. It's very important to keep that driving target focus. That's how you see guys just, I mean, shoot crushing speed and accuracy with dots. They have a nice big window on the dot for a competition gun and, and they know how to use that thing. Right. So yeah. Yeah. The, the world of pistol optics in particular, it's evolving very, very quickly. Yeah. There's, I, I caught wind of the idea that uh, Trigicon is actually going to be coming out with an enclosed emitter optic soon. So yeah, okay. Steiner's with, got one. Okay. Yeah, Steiner's got the MPS, so I'm sure we'll be seeing all those. In I'm sure we will. Point, so. Yeah, as long as, as long as somebody orders them, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so if we, let's, let's, let's take a step up to larger red dots for you know, like carbines mm-hmm. and, and long guns, mm-hmm. um, holographic you know, sites, things like that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of that stuff out there as well. And you got oh, magnified yeah. stuff now. Um, then you got, you know, uh, magnifiers that you can attach to the rear of a lot of these red dots or, or, um, or holo sites. Um, what's, what's, what do you guys think is you know best bang for buck out there? And then let's talk about what the quality stuff is out there too. Uh, Vortex definitely, you know, front of that for bang for your buck stuff. Yeah. Um, the AMG UH1 is 120 bucks less than the competitor, and you know gives you a lot of features that that one won't to include yep. a little bit better battery life. So. And that's a holographic site. Yeah, that's a holographic. Mm-hmm. Those, those are great. I've yeah. had a couple of those on guns for a while now. Mm-hmm. So that's very similar to, a, let's just say, an EOTech. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it comes in, for what you get, it comes in a little under in price. Yep, mm-hmm. and you gain some stuff. Yeah. Um, it's also completely American-made, which yeah. is awesome. So. Yeah, nice. It's rare that you'll you know spend less and get, and get an American-made optic. That's that true. That's all the yeah, boxes. It is. So. Yeah. And mine's been tough as nails. I mean, that's on my blackout that I 
bring to work frequently that stays in my truck you know yeah it's falling out of the truck a couple times the uh the vortex <laughs> spark solar too i mean you know 279 bucks yeah comes on a good mount yeah that's hard to beat too pretty much endless battery life i mean yeah, it's not uncommon to get five thing. years out of it so. yeah and then you got um this if, if we're going to go to the top let's talk about aim point because oh, aim point's always there um very uh they rule the roost very dependable very reliable mm-hmm. uh i mean i think everybody here in this room us three we all have we all own an aim I've point of two, some yeah. sort i've got yeah. a t2 and an acro so yeah yeah i mean they're they're very tough to beat i will say that battery life is mm-hmm. incredible it yeah. is um, um there's others out there that may advertise better battery life but they can't touch the toughness i mean that's yeah. just I, I will say aim point like definitely good but if it's the difference between like being able to afford ammo within your overall budget right. for a rifle yeah maybe not the best option like it does include some stuff that the average like everyday user may not need like emp protection in the t2 you sure. know it's right. just <laughs> well, you might not need that right. but maybe, like and maybe the look at a pro sword. then well yeah or look at a P- aim point pro exactly yeah. 500 bucks you get the same degree of dur- durability yep. similar battery life so a L- little bit larger optic a little bit larger mm-hmm. pro but yeah it's but still th- there's some advantages to that over there is. but still yeah yeah um if you wanted to stay within the aim point family there actually is you know it's not all or nothing you can spend a little less and still get something good so. right well now we have the new patrol micro yep Oh, the duty that, RDS. Yeah, the duty RDS. Yeah. That thing's cool. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is Those a cool, cool optic too. I mean, that and that comes in at a good price point too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five twenty nine. Five nineteen. Five nineteen. Somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah. Um, so from there, we're we're at Trigic. Let's talk Trigicon because they're almost right up there, comparable as far as uh, dollars and mm-hmm. quality. MROs, yeah. MROs. I think they come in quite a bit less. Than the um, like an H H two or um, they do MSRP for MSRP yeah they size will. I think is a little bit larger mm-hmm. I I uh, previously I wasn't a big fan of the MRO but lately I've really it's been growing on me yeah, yeah I like the little bump and field of view you get over yep. a T two um, you do get a little bit bigger field of view there it's also machined from the exact same thing that an AR fifteen receiver is machined from okay. so you can hit the thing with a bat and it's gonna be fine yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they're, they're tough they're, housings. They're rugged in keeping with the rest of Trigicon stuff. Yeah. They're, they're definitely a good option, no doubt. And then there's EOTech. Of course, uh, EOTech's been around for a long time. Um, they're more if you're looking more holographic uh they don't do anything everything they do right now is holographic they're not doing with, anything with the exception of their low power variable yeah that's yeah. right that's right mm-hmm. yeah um Which they're are pretty slick too. still slick quality optics you know mm-hmm. um i would say the voodoo is probably one of the would you would you agree that's like one of the most slept on low power variables in the uh yeah the one uh what we have the one to we six the one and the one we had the one to six and the one to eight uh the one to eight yeah, okay the one to eight sold like I flew out of here. Yeah, like instantly. Yeah. We, I think we have a couple one to sixes lingering around, but good radicals. Yeah. So before all that, you just had you had ACOGs. Remember, good old mm-hmm. ACOGs. And ACOGs are hard to beat, but ACOGs are. I've always thought of the ACOGs like like SIG SIG handguns, because they've always been extremely expensive and they've never changed price. Though I mean, even in yeah. twenty years, an ACOG is still twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago it was $1200. It's still it's still the same price. But, you know, if you look at uh, so a lot of the other optics now, uh variable optics for instance, you know, mm-hmm. it started 1 to 4s, then they went, "Oh, let's go 1 to 6s." Now it's 1 to 8s. 
Now we're at one to ten. Mm-hmm. First focal plane. First focal plane one to ten. There's even a one to twelve. And there, now there's a one to twelve. <laughs> and there and you, everything is is um, you know, got an illumination, illuminated reticle of some sort. What's your guys' take on that? Honest opinion. I personally like uh, something one to six, one to eight illuminated. Yeah. I'm cool with that mm-hmm. because it's not too big on the on the rifle, and it gives me what I need. Low power and illumination, and then I can crank it up to six or eight power, and that's that's plenty for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And this is where you and I seem to really agree on these low powers. Is mm-hmm. that for the most part now, if you've got a fourteen and a half inch five five six or longer, mm-hmm. I mean that you have enough velocity to be able to shoot some of these sixty eight, sixty nine grain, and seventy three, seventy seven grain. Uh, match loads considerably further more accurate than before. I mean, mm, the yeah. ammo is really where like most of the advancement has been made, but the yeah. scopes too, of course. Yeah. Um, having a first focal plane reticle is nice. I mean, you zero at eight power at a hundred yards, say. You know, if you wind it down to four and you're shooting that same target at a hundred yards, the group should look the same if you're doing everything on your part. So mm-hmm. the lack of deviation in zero within the magnification range, super handy. Um, in the context of like. A hunting gun, say. Say it's, you know, a two and a half to ten on a, on a six five Creedmoor, mm-hmm. and you're drawn down at on a whitetail across a, crud, a cutover, maybe you don't need all the magnification. Maybe, maybe you need six, but right. you want that same point of aim that you'd get at ten. You're right. going to get that with the first focal plane. So right. mm-hmm. that's what's really nice about it. Yeah, that sure. was one of the uh, things that we ta- discussed in, uh, in a previous podcast was first focal plane versus second focal plane. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, I think the... I think what everybody agreed on is that if you're, if you don't understand it, just stick to what you what you're yeah, used throw, to. Throw, throw what you know. That's throw what, what that's you know. What I told, you know. That's what I told people, yeah. But if you're gonna hunt, you know, second focal is probably the way to to to, to stay. Oh yeah, it's uh, definitely not a bad option at all. Right. Well, and even in the low power, the Razor one to six Gen two. Yeah. With either any other reticles is, I mean, been the gold standard for a long time, and that's mm-hmm. second focal. And I've had those guns. I've had those on guns for years now, and. They, I've never had an issue with a second focal on that reticle, but above a certain power, we start getting eight ten. Now, first focal really starts to come into its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think second focal plane for most people is probably a better option, but within a certain magnification range. Like if we're going past six, yeah, you might want to you might want to start considering the idea of going to a first focal plane. So, yeah, and there's plenty of alternatives to like. The twenty five hundred dollar razor one to ten. You can get right. a strike equal one to eight first focal plane. Those things are slick, bucks. right? You know, it's it. Most yeah, of the for the, and for the money too. That they're they're really tough to beat. We sold a mess of those things, yeah. and and I have be, yet to have one person complain about them. Yeah, you'll be sub thousand into it with a mount. Yeah, with well, a good mount, well too. under a thousand. You could get that scope, a good mount, and match loads for less than a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's pretty good, and you got the vortex guarantee, of course. So. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking to spend a little more, that one to ten, the one X on that is just incredible. It's hard to beat. Yeah. yeah. So is your attacker. Yeah. Yeah. The night force is pretty good, but uh, the one to ten, I mean, it's well. Just talking the one X. If we're just talking one X, though, which is an important part of low powers, you know, if we're defining low power, I, I generally say it starts at one. You know, recently there's been a little bit of a you know buzz about that of you know what constitutes low powers. Like, well, if we're going to define it, I'm going to say it starts at one, right, and then goes wherever from there. But, um. You know, I found that that one to ten, I can shoot it almost as fast as I can a holographic. I mean, within a couple hundreds of a second. Mm-hmm. But so are you guys all right? So I I, I I can see the 
first focal your fa- your fan <laughs> fans of first focal um, so are you fans of mills or moas oh boy honestly i i lead on like mill is the only way i'd go but like i've had moa scopes in the past yeah i'm, I'm pretty indifferent um one advantage of an moa scope it's a finer point of aim than like whatever the smallest measurement an moa will come in it's a finer point of aim than mill so right if it's going on a precision gun that might be something you want yeah um yeah i don't, I don't know that i've ever shooting mills i don't know that i've ever ever had an instance where the difference in the smallest measurements threw me over or under a target where mm-hmm. i could never adjust properly to hit a target but yeah the moa is definitely a finer adjustment so yeah and in some of the low powers i mean i think we're both shooting mills on our scopes yeah right i've now. got mill on my well my i think the attacker only comes in mills but yeah well the the one to ten i know comes in an moa it's almost like a bdc though but you look at like the razor one to six with a jam reticle technically it's measured in moa but he has it set as a bdc so you know, in, in that situation, that that scope is MOA, but I'm really shooting it as a yardage, yard line scope. Yeah. Okay. Um, Typically, I tell people if you like doing your math in decimals, get mills. Yeah. If you like doing it in fractions, go ahead and get MOA. Yeah. yeah get uh, MOA. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, most people are, are just they're used to the they're used to all inches. Right, four clicks is one inch at a hundred yards. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Mm. It's like it's like saying somebody explained it's like four quarters in a dollar where you got how many pennies yeah. in, in, in a dollar, mm-hmm. you know, with, with mills, you know, and yeah. it's, it, it, it can be confusing, but I think if you, if you dedicate yourself to, to one or the other and just focus in on that, you, you'll be fine. I mean, mm-hmm. mills is not that hard. It really isn't. No. Um, but it, it just depends on the application. Well, and just for sake of showing, you know, how, how one um, kind of correlates the other, I'm looking at, looking at a ballistic chart on my, uh, six five Creedmoor with one forty LEDs, uh, ELDs. So if I'm at, you know, I got it set at seven hundred and sixty five yards for just an arbitrary distance. Mm-hmm. My data is reading four point eight six mils MRAD, same thing. And this pulls up a really cool chart where it shows me in inches in MOA as well. So if I'm four point eight six mils, I'm sixteen point seven MOA. So you're generally going to deal with larger numbers in MOA. It's going to be more accurate and it works better for people that think in fractions of an inch generally. But if you're one of those people that starts getting above 10, 15, 20, stay in mills. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's a good way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good yeah. way to think of it that way. So Because ain't nobody adjusting in inches. So Right, right. <laughs> um, we, were, we were talking on optics. Um, and, I, you know, one thing I meant to ask you guys – you know, because a lot of people, I think, get confused about this. You talk about um, the 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 red dots and the the mounts form. You've got mm-hmm. you know co witness, and what's the other one? Lower third. Lower third. Then you have skyscraper mounts now. <laughs> skyscraper. <laughs> yeah. So, because sometimes if you ask somebody, do you want co witness or lower one third. They, I mean, some people, they have no idea what you're talking Chinese, about. Chinese, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. What would you do? Well, kind of explain, explain that, if sure. you will. So a lower one-third co-witness mount, with, with one of those mounted to an AR, for instance, you'll see the sight post in the lower one-third of the optic. Same with the rear. Right. So, you know, it's nice because you can kind of have them there as backup sights. They're not occluding your sight picture. You can right. still use the dot very easily independent, independent of the iron sights. 
Uh, some guys like an absolute co-witness. They want that dot to be hovering right over top. Right of over top of their front sight. Yeah. yeah. For guys that learned on irons, I mean, that's you know typically sure. what they resort to. Resort yeah. to so. And 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 most mounts now tend to be co-witness mounts. So standards going to be lower third. Standards. Yeah, okay. yeah, that seems to be, and I think that's a good change. I don't. I wouldn't mind absolute co-witness sights if I could fold them. Yeah. Because um, I think when you have your dots sitting over top of the irons, you lose the speed of the dot because mm-hmm. now instead of a single target focus, you now have to reference the dot to the iron to the target. Right. And w- I mean, especially if your front sight's covering the target, now the dot's covered too. Right. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a true co-witness if I could use folding iron sights. Lower third, you'll never have that issue. And then you get into the skyscraper mounts, anything like <laughs> one nine and taller is zero co-witness. Right, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, there's, there's a couple mounts that integrate sites, but yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, standard ones, yeah. you're not going to see those things. Right. <laughs> um, but if you put something as reliable as a T2 on it, you know, circle back to red dots, you, sometimes you can get away without it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, back to one of the... Uh, I guess one of these uh, debates, I guess, or one of these matchups is, and we talked about it right before we started recording, Robbie, was gas piston versus impingement. Do you own a gas piston gun, Justin? I do not. I do not either. <laughs> I, I do not. There's plenty of gas piston systems out there that work well. You know, the, the notable companies, uh, LWRC. Uh, HK. HK, yeah, yeah. FN with the scar. If you want to throw that one in there too. Yeah, yeah. That's a, well, that's an example of a great piston system. Mm-hmm. It may not be directly AR based, but yeah. The uh, Sig MTX is probably the most notable at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah popular. Um, one thing I will, you know, tip of the hat I'll give to gas piston guns. They run really, really clean with the can on. Yeah, you no know, kid. Going okay. tying back to like our suppressor conversation yeah. earlier, you're gonna be shooting a can with the, or a gun with a can all the time. I want to look into a gas piston. Pistons. Gun. All right. So let me ask you this then: If you are shooting an AR, and obviously, obviously, a rifle length gas system is the best sort of gas system to use on a on an impingement gun, or mm, well, it's based you? on barrel length. Yeah, mainly. It depends well, on the application. Right yeah. now, what? Yeah, because obviously, if, if they're shooting an SBR or something like that, it's it's going to be different. Um, but let's just say it's a gas impingement gun. Is it is it wise if you're going to be shooting primarily suppressed? Is it wise to change the gas block to an adjustable gas block or? Mm, it's, it's dependent on the uh, dependent on the quality of the barrel and how quality know, of the gas block too. How thorough they okay. were thinking out the uh, you know the gas port size for that particular gun. Right. Um, I've so got I a, guess so. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I've got a direct impingement gun that I shoot suppressed. 100% of the time, the thing's got, you know, thousands of rounds on it. And it's always got a can on. And, I, you know, I throw a variety of ammo in it, and I never have an issue with it cycling. So, And a lot of that comes down to the fact that that gas port size is drilled to accommodate, you know, a suppressor with military specification loads for 5.56. Right, so, okay. Now, there's some guns that um, it could be an issue where the gas block is, you know, a little bit too large to kind of accommodate that that's something that i would probably put an adjustable gas block on or like a 300 blackout where there's going to be like a large variance between bullet weight for a supersonic load yeah. and bullet weight for a subsonic load gotcha. and agb works on that too yeah so. okay um i use them a lot of my competition rifles where i'm chasing felt recoil and i can really that's you know 
I've lightened my entire operating system. You know, my mm-hmm. carrier's lighter, my buffer's lighter. I need less gas. Yeah. You know, you can feel it when on my competition rifle. If I go full gas, you can feel it slamming in the back of the buffer tube. And the whole gun, you know, I have probably 150% more sight motion than I should have. So uh, that's where I use them. My, my 6.5 Grendel has one for running suppressed. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, yeah, in relation to gas board, that, you know, that's about how <laughs> well made a barrel is from the start. So, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah, you don't need Gas size with the, with the eye guns in particular, I feel like it's, it's everything. I mean, Daniel Defense, they're like an excellent example of a company that sizes their barrels right mm-hmm. to like not need on certain guns, right. AR-15s in particular, yeah. not need an adjustable gas block. You right. can throw a can on that thing or not and throw whatever in it and that thing's going to run. So. I got you. And that's, yeah, so the reliability window with a fixed gas block is very high, mm-hmm. you know, almost in whatever your cleaning cycle is for your round count. You know, I've had adjustable gas blocks narrow the reliability window of rifles to 500 rounds, depending on how mm-hmm. the gas sets. So you need to you need to understand if you're using an adjustable gas block that you can, in theory, affect reliability based on how much gas is used that cycle of action, especially in something running suppressed with a higher round count where it's going to pick up a lot of fouling, you know, that's... Mm-hmm. You just need to be aware of that. It's the nature of them. Yeah. What about um, charging handles? Oh, there's all sorts of cool stuff out there now. Yeah, I mean, there's... The Silencer Code GDCH is pretty awesome. Yeah, um, it best, works. Yeah. Best I've used as far as, uh, get, from a gas mitigation perspective, it's the best I've used thus far. Really? Okay. Because yeah. I got a brand new one. Good. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't tried it yet, so that's good. It's good you to know. You like it, man. You got to keep right, the good. carbon out of the lungs, you know? Yeah, that's right. You got to. I well, got to. We also have those bootleg suppressor-ready carriers, which that and the silencer code charging handle. I'm, my short barrels are very, very pleasant to shoot because they have almost no blowback in your face. Mm-hmm. So There's others, too. The Radiant SD. It's really yeah, good. That's yeah, my, a good that's, one. That is a good one, yeah. That's my yeah. go-to. So. They work. Um, I was going to ask you guys another thing. Uh, now that we're on the topic of silencers, a lot of people ask the question about maintenance on a silencer, mm-hmm. cleaning a silencer. And I know there, you know, majority of stuff out there for center fire use, um, there's no way to take them apart. Mm-hmm. There's no way to clean them. Well, you can, you can clean them, put them in a, I guess you could put them in some sort of parts washer if you wanted to. You could use an ultrasonic. Put like an ultrasonic it. cleaner. A lot, um, a lot of companies will specify that as their only, yeah. you know. Warranted. Or, yeah. yeah. yeah don't, don't try to pry the end open and get the baffles out, right? Oh, my God. You joke, but. <laughs> some people try. <laughs> some people yeah. try. <laughs> well, actually, I saw something the other day that I haven't tried yet that I saw we were carrying. Bortec has a two-part celest- uh, suppressor cleaning, yeah, I guess, solution. And That's uh, right. I do. Yeah. yeah. And the user serviceable stuff, like a lot, all the rimfire cans and most of the centerfire pistol stuff, uh, I found Bortec has a really good carbon cutter and just fill up. You know, I do a little piece of Tupperware, fill it full of carbon cutter, drop the baffles out. You, you don't even have to let them sit in there overnight, but I do, and pull them out, and you can almost just wipe them off. Hmm. That Bortec stuff really works. It's very good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as from a rim from a rimfire standpoint, twenty twos. Obviously, those are the ones you got to clean. Oh yeah, yeah, that's um, what I'm talking about. And then fifty fifty, you know, half half. Now I see a lot of the mono cores just a one solid core that comes out, and then you have your baffle stacks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's probably easier to clean a mono core because it's all one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, I don't think there's a huge difference in sound reduction between the two of those uh, that I that I can tell. I mean, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I mean that. 
at the shooter's ear, they're going to sound around about the same. Right, right. Yeah. Um, There's other variables that would change that more. Yeah. Yeah. Ammo, stuff like that. Right. Length. All right. Well, um, man, what else you guys want to talk about? Is that... You want to go back to dry fire, Justin? <laughs> Circle back to that. Yeah. Oh, boy. We'll be here all day. That's right. Oh, God, I don't know if there's enough uh, time for that. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, Expo season round two. Yeah, man. That's yeah. going to be coming up real soon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The summer's going to be gone before you know it. It kind of I mean, already it's, gone. It's, I mean, we're it's like halfway through June right now. Yeah, we're chugging right along through it, man. Yeah. And so, so far, man, the weather's been great. So I know, I know, y'all have been enjoying your outdoor shooting right now because it's uh, the weather's been awesome right oh, yeah. now. Yeah, except for that tornado that touched down. Yeah, except for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that kind of weather. I like I was driving yeah, through. You it. never know. You got to train in that sort of weather, right? Yeah, man. You you just you're never know when you're going to get caught in a tornado. And ready for every situation. Can you man, shoot you targets know? when you're you know in a vortex thirty foot off the ground? Yeah. You know, I wish it would have touched down so I could have tried. It would have been nice. Would <laughs> end up at the top of a tree. You ought to write a book on like training scenarios. But you know, like yeah, I was I was training for a tornado and a bear attack at the same time. Is this, the re- is this the revenant? Like, <laughs> I'll, give right it, uh, I'll give it Morgan Painter. Maybe him and I can maybe he can co-author. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he could he could probably give you throw some some good ones at you. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, hey guys, thanks for being here today. Um, we'll we'll do this again. We'll come up with um, some other stuff. We we definitely touched on silencers and red dots and and uh, uh optics today so mm-hmm. thanks thanks for doing this we'll uh we'll do another uh episode maybe later this summer see how you guys are doing all right sounds awesome. good thank you thanks for Love being here back. thanks for listening to the green top outdoors podcast hunting fishing and all things outdoors it's not just a hobby it's a lifestyle like and subscribe to the green top outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about green top at greentophuntfish.com